Also, I can't imagine like having just like casually having a little scuffle with my friends. We're like some point in the evening, we're going to like push and punch each other. And then but it's all good. But it's good. That was fun. That was nice. And then we're going to have beers right after. What? That sounds insane. (laughs) (laughs) Boys are insane, but we love you. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices, spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on foxy yet dodgy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the The final Final Girl. Game on. Game on. Hi. <laughs> Hi. What's up? Welcome back to Horror Movie Survival, Survival Guide. Guide. I'm Julia. I'm Terry. And this week we are going to be talking about 1993's Fire in the Sky. Tagline for this episode? No. Title of this episode? Yeah. I just had a little a little whiskey, guys. Oh, you're uh, doing great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, you left me there. It's the title for the episode. The tagline for this movie is quite lengthy. For five days, a man was borrowed. The story of Travis Walton and five other witnesses told is so unbelievable, so unimaginable, that it has become the most famous case of UFO abduction ever recorded. I'm sorry, that was a lot of words. I know. That's the tagline. Tagline for this movie. That's not a tagline. They had to let you know where you were in for. I know. (laughs) That is a full-on description. It is. Uh, This movie was made for $15 million, Mm -hmm. and it made $20 million. Okay, so not a great return on investment, but, but at least they're not totally out. Not bad. Okay, so this film, but this film actually looms large in Julia's legend. Uh, this came out in 1993. I was a freshman in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, still quite easily to scare. And I remember watching this film with my friends and scared me to death. Really? Really, really scared me. And you probably also went because the boys in this movie. Yes. Well, you have beautiful boys will always be a a Julia bait. Like nothing will kill me quicker than a cute boy. Yeah. And this is like very 90s lineup of dudes. Yes. D.B. Sweeney. Craig Schaefer. We got Robert Patrick. We got Henry Thomas. Peter Berg and his little glasses. Oh, adorable. Yeah. And hats. Yeah. All his hats. The whole movie. (laughs) he looks like he stepped out of like some Amish thing or something like Like he's trying to be a cowboy but you're like no but not quite it's an Arizona cowboy moment but I you know the thing is because I we had talked about Peter Berg when in Shocker and I'm like I don't like him in Shocker I really don't but I really like him in this that's because he's like pure of heart in this one I guess so he's really really sweet and um yeah he's the he's the church boy of the crew uh so this movie is based on the true story Mm -hmm. uh quote unquote of Travis Walton Mm -hmm. who was the allegedly true story yes in Mm in 1975 in Arizona in the White Mountains uh so I looked up Travis Walton and he yes he has a website he has a website you can buy all of his books Mm -hmm. and he also has his own UFO convention every year in arizona he's got testimonies from all his friends sky on the fire summit sky fire summit uh, and he is also going to be at several other ufo uh conventions throughout the u.s this uh year and i didn't know that there was such a big ufo circuit i guess i shouldn't be surprised we shouldn't be surprised because we also have a dear friend yes yes it our, was so it was so it, nice yeah uh, just very uh coincidental that our friend brought uh to movie night a movie about ufos, UFOs. and uh, it's a documentary all about ufos and one of the cases in the film is about travis walton fire in so the sky it here. all kind of wrapped up quite nicely mm-hmm. uh but so we, we're basically experts now yeah we learned 
learned about the entire history of UFOs. So we did our research, guys. Yeah, just and for you. This movie uh, starts out, so we don't really know. It, it, it. This movie kind of builds to the alien thing very slowly. It's, it's a very a slow, slow build. Burn. But at the beginning, you do start off, and we get like a, a flash, basically, of kind of what we're going to get into with the story of this like big truck, like car chase, basically, it looks like. And you see this truck just speeding down the road and kind of going off road and cutting off another truck. And they show up at their regular kind of watering hole at the end of a long work day, these group of guys. But they do not look good. They look shooken up. Yes. They're clearly there later because quite a few people as they go through this bar like restaurant are like, hey, the, the dinner's already closed and are you guys all right? And you know, and they they they're kind of silent with each yeah, other. They're all kind of shook. Yeah, and, but they but they say to each other that we're going to stick to the story. So then I was like, "What'd you guys do if you right. have to stick to a story?" That never sounds ro- good. It never sounds good. It makes you sound suspect as hell, right? So this movie, and in, 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 you know, and rewatching it this time, like I remember it as being this you know horrific movie, and there is horrific elements we'll get to, mm-hmm. but there's so much of it is just kind of a murder mystery. Like, did they do it? It feels very murder she wrote in that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, of like, okay, they're in this smallish town of Snowflake, Arizona. Uh-huh. It's a little mountain town. Um, it's everyone kind of knows everybody. You see, you know, as as they're interacting with the townspeople. And um, yeah, it's it's it, it does feel very like that murder she wrote kind of like or Columbo, okay. you know, more like okay, we're gonna get and solve this thing. What happened up there on sure. top of that mountain? Everyone wants to know. And in, in a very kind of, that's kind of way there is there is we uh, a title card that came comes up in the beginning mm-hmm. of this movie that I think we should mention. This says chance makes a plaything of a man's life, which is quoting Seneca. Which is okay. So now we have this element coming in. We know chance is involved somehow. Mm-hmm. So even if there was a murder, there's some sort of accident or something going mm-hmm. on. So what is happening? So James Garner is called in, who is Lieutenant Frank Waters. Who's wonderful yes. as the expert. He's the guy. And I love this, the deputy that comes in. I wrote in deputy um, exposition and like sheriff exposition. These guys are great. They're laying down basically the case of what, what they know so far and what's happening. In the introduction of James Garner, Lieutenant Frank, he's never, he's never he doesn't have any soft cases, they say, basically. Right. So he's won every case. He's, he's solved, solved every, every case he's ever had. So either means he's, like a ball breaker because that's the only way you can solve all the damn cases right or like or, a genius or a genius or just really tough because it's like he doesn't no one can scroll out of a testimony with him or a deposition right. he's gonna get to the freaking bottom of whatever's going on because he's seen it all before mm-hmm. so he's like okay well let's just see what's happening and mm-hmm. you know but the but sheriff does stick up for this group of guys and like hey he's like no these are good boys they're good guys they wouldn't make out like it's not a joke they're not mm-hmm. you know they would have nothing to gain from it and right it's such a small town that everybody knows everybody uh-huh. uh and but so when he comes down, obviously the guys have called the police, but are now kind of realizing that with the whole yeah. ordeal they're going to have to go through here. But there's also a little bit of tension within the group. We have um, Dallas, a Dallas, which we had a Dallas in the last movie. Oh, we did, which is crazy, right? We an alien. We should have watched Outsiders next, and then there'd be a Dallas. Oh, oh my in god, there. so much Dallas! But um, in this Dallas, he's like kind of the bad. He's the bad boy of the of the group. The thing, the thing about it is, they're like, I don't. 100% by Craig Schaefer is like a super badass. He's working so hard to he be a is. bad boy. I give him A plus for effort. <laughs> I really do. But I don't quite 
buy it from him. He still seems like a really sweet actor boy. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and he's also adorable. He is adorable. Um, and like watching him try to be as bad as he's trying to be yeah. is so great. A preferent. Nope. A preferent. I would buy him more as like a vampire or something. Uh, than like, like a sexy I feel vampire? Like, yeah, a little more like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. a little Spike kind of like homie or something oh, like that yeah, or Angel. Because he gives me a little Boreanus kind of like vibe in that way too. So but, they can tell there's tension within the yeah. group. And they, you know, of course they don't want this out of state, you know, out of, out of the, they don't know this guy, this Frank Waters guy, but he says a man with nothing to hide has nothing to worry about. So, so he puts a gonna, tape recorder to record them, even though the guys have already given their statements to the police and right. like the deputies taken notes and everything. But the, um, Garner, Lieutenant Frank is like, I don't trust it. He's like, I just, if you have nothing to hide, I trust a tape recorder. Let's do it. So he asked them all these questions again. So then we get this flashback of what, mm-hmm. you know, how this all started. And Mike says Travis was his best friend. Yeah, he shows up. He sh- shows up. And, you know, they have these flashbacks and they show him in the morning going out and hopping on the truck. And it's the cutest thing. Um, Travis rides up. D.B. Sweeney rides up in his motorcycle. I'm all toe pick. I have to do it at least <laughs> once. Um, and he shows up. Right. Adam's like, yes. Um, and he shows up at Mike's house um, on his motorcycle. And Mike has just gone through this really tense kind of moment with his wife who um, the rent is due and he's, they're not sure if they're going to make their mortgage. They have a couple of kids. Um, and so morning, this whole morning sequence is happening. Before I get there, too, I wanted to talk about D.B. Sweeney riding his motorcycle through town. Yes. And picking up a bag of donuts from this really cute girl. Like, <laughs> So this was great, though, because it, it, at first I was like, oh, what kind of a... Like you're a scoundrel, right? Like you have this girl who you who just you ride by and she gives you donuts. You know she's going to be there every day, and you just give her the little wink and then ride off. And I'm like, oh, he's kind of a dick. But then he's actually getting the donuts for his girlfriend. Yeah, who's Mike's little sister? Breakfast in bed, and then I was like, oh, that's kind of yeah. He climbs up the house, like the front of the house, and like climbs up to her window, looks at her like through the window, like as she's like sleeping. She wakes up and smiles with joy, and he hands the donuts to her, and it is adorable. Yeah. And everyone loves Travis. Like, you see, like, the little kids through the window. He pokes and has fun with, you know, Mike's kids, and then everybody, he's like the, he's the golden boy. Right. And he's also got big ideas. He wants Mike to, like, do a, have a business with him. MT Motors is his fantasy, but I think that this is the kind of, he he's affable, but he's also a dreamer. And it's gotten to the point, you know, and they, you feel this tension in the film where Mike has had to grow up, in a way, and be like, I I'm married now. I have children. He's responsible I have to work, whereas Travis can still kind of mess around because he is still a bachelor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that tension in the friendship is starting to kind of wear on them, and he wants to kind of go off and have vacations and do these things with Mike. And Mike's like, I can't do that anymore. It's like a, nothing, ain't, ain't nothing real but the rent. Uh, <laughs> but they all drive together very adorably in their truck, all crammed in. So all six of the guys, yeah, on the crew are all in this truck together, and that's again where you see get to see a little fun again of everyone stuck in a cabin, kind of you know that little fever moment of like what we've had, like, you know, in the in right. the space. Sure, because one is the transistor radio, and Peter Berg's like, turn it down, and we do this every day, and then it just starts, and then Dallas starts being a dick. And And then the Henry Thomas guy has his little magazine, he's reading like a tabloid, and just like, can you believe it? This stuff is crazy, it's real. And you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) He's supposed to be 17, though. He's so little. He is adorbs. He is. That hair, I love that 70s hair. Uh, and they so they have this you know this very friendly kind of adorable tension except for Dallas which and they never really get down to what his deal is. No, like, we never find out. Like, we get to see where he lives and you're like, oh, okay, I kind of get it. But then also just you just why are you trying to be mean to everybody? Well, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder because anytime anything bad as he kind of talks about later on, anytime anything bad happens, they he's the one who's, who's going to get the blame because he already has a record. He's the one that's already got, you know, like a bad, a bad rep in the town. So I think it's one of those hard things where like you're in this town, he's just going to play into the stereotype of being the baddie or the bad boy, right. even if he's 
clearly not. Yeah, clearly yeah. not. Uh, the question is, is, is he supposed to be Mexican? Because they, when they show him at his house, he sp- speaks Spanish with everybody who's there, and they were all Mexican. And I was like, oh, is it like brownface? I did not think that hard about that section. Okay. But that is a very good question. Just a question I have about Fire in the Sky. No, I have that question now too. And now I want to do a little more research on the real guy because he's on that on, on, on the, Travis's website too yes. and has quotes and stuff too. So uh, so they are lumberjacks out there felling trees and Dallas being a dick doesn't tell people when is the tree's going to fall. And I mean, that's basic safety. When you're yeah. logging, I mean, you need to know like when a tree's about to fall, you call it out. So I he mean, makes one almost mm-hmm. fall on Travis and there's like a uh, timber. <laughs> More threatening than that, actually, comes yeah. up and he has like they have like a the buzzsaw, chain, like yeah. chainsaw fight, basically, or like standoff with each other, guys. Man. And then they go to lunch and they each have their lunch. And I love Dallas eating his like apple with his knife, of course, because he's a badass. That's uh-huh. what you do when you're a badass. But I like how much everybody kind of resents him because without him, there would be no drama, everybody would be fine. It's like he's the one who's got to like stir up the pot of all time, and like no, everybody gets along with Travis, and he's the one that's like, no, fuck you, Travis. So this is going to make things very interesting when at the end of the day, they're heading home and they see this strange light in the sky. What is that? It looks like a fire. I'm not sure exactly. Like, uh oh, but there's only one road out in or out of where they're working. So either they spend the night in the forest or they drive home. And they got to go through it. So they get closer and closer and this light's getting brighter and brighter and they're all kind of freaking out in the truck. And then they kind of pull up to... A giant flying saucer Mm -hmm. that's just hovering there. And of course, everybody's kind of frozen with fear, except for Travis, who's frozen. Travis hops out of the car. Enraptured with joy. So excited to see this. He's like, they're here. It reminds me, I don't know, what was it, like Men in Black or one of those movies where like everyone goes to the top of the roof or something. They're like, the aliens are here. Independence Day. Independence Day. That's what it is. And they're like, welcome and greeting them. I knew it was Will Smith. Thank you. Um, And they're like, welcome. Come on. But they're like, wait, we don't know if they come in peace. Like, we don't know. If it's going to be a hostile takeover, like what the situation is, but he won't get back in the car. And literally everyone's like, dude, get back. We've got to get out of here. This is what are you doing? What are you doing? Now you're putting us all in danger as well. And it is this kind of immature thing that a kid would do. You just a dreamer impulsively get out. Yeah. Yes. You don't have your head in the reality of what the situation is. So he goes out and is looking up enraptured of this spacecraft, which this incredibly illuminating beam of light comes down, hits him, freezes him in what looks like pain. It, yeah, it looks like he got zapped basically by like the white light. You know what I mean? They're like, like those like, um, uh, what's that? This is the end. The Seth Rogen or everything with like the rapture when oh, they yeah. all get like sucked into like the, you know, the, yes. the light at the end. That's basically the same type of light we sure. get Sure. And then they, it throws him to the ground and he's laying there motionless. So they all think that he's dead and like, we have to leave right now. They're going to come for us. We're all going to be doomed. So they all and they don't grab his body or anything because nope. they're just like, uh, and you can tell that Mike wants to stay, but everybody's got four other people now who are like beating on telling him to get out. They of don't want to be in this in, trapped by a beam of light either. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're the flight, the fight or flight. They're on the flight situation is very, very strong. So he does leave for a while, but maybe, you know, 10 miles down the road is like, nope, nope, gotta I go, back. go back. So mm-hmm. he makes them all get out of the car and he goes back, but uh, can't find him. Or the spacecraft, it's all gone. Yeah, he has no idea where he is. So, He's spirited away. And this is where we catch back up to them coming into the bar at the beginning of the film where they're all kind of shell-shocked. Yeah, you see the other side of that truck thing that we had from the beginning where they were ri- driving. Now you see why they were driving all crazy they're, to get down the hill. Because they don't know if it's following them, if it's going to zap them, if Travis is dead, what the deal is. Not where they thought they would be when they woke up that morning. No, it's like 
literally night and day from how the beginning of the of their day started. I mean, their day started so optimistic and they were just happy to go up there and be on contract. And this contract, they kept like um, Mike's wife, Kate, kept bringing it up to like it was very important. They needed to finish it so they could probably get paid. They hadn't been paid yet for their services. So now their contract is in jeopardy, too. Right. Because and now they and they all realize they're all smart fellows and they realize this is going to make us sound crazy and it's nobody's going to believe us. No one's going to believe we went and saw some aliens up there. So like, and neither does, I mean, Lieutenant Frank also does not buy it. Of course. Because he also notices that we were talking about earlier a little, the little Henry Thomas guy's character was reading tabloid and on the cover of the tabloid they cut to a little frame and you see that it had an alien abduction story on the front of it so where would they get this idea where would they get these ideas from they've just read this story so everyone in the town starts suspecting them as murderers because also they so then they set out a search crew to go find the body and they have this very tense moment where they oh they find bones they maybe it's him maybe they found it but it's actually just a dog it's dog bones that some hunter buried a dog up in the hill so the question is where is he and if where's the body and of course they did it because I mean they have a huge search party they have dogs they have all these I mean it's they've got news so all of a sudden the news starts descending on the town now too it's the paparazzi are up oh. in their faces asking them what happened what did they do overwhelming did, and Mike is giving no interviews. And he's had to move out to a hotel because he and his wife had an argument because his wife said she didn't believe him. She does, yeah, she doesn't believe him either. He's like, well, "Do you really think I would kill my friend?" She's and like, she's like, "Well, I don't, I don't know. know. You're you're kind of been kind of tense, and things have been tense lately." And she's worried about reputation. She's like, "What are we going to do for money?" And he's what, like, "How can you ask talk about money? My best friend is literally missing." But she's also like, you know, people, my, what about the children? They, you know, their reputation, they say their father's a murderer and this kind of thing. So you can see why you might want to move to a hotel in this situation. Right. Get your head a little bit straight. Uh, but it's impossible because there's constantly these reporters buzzing around and, and now bombarding him. Yeah. they are demanding that they take a lie detector test to prove their innocence. And nobody wants to do it, especially Dallas. Dallas is because what we talked about earlier, because as soon as if they... They're kind of damned if they do damn, but they don't do this lie detector because the lie detectors notoriously, depending on who's doing the questioning, can be skewed um, depending on the line of questioning that's give, put forth. Um, and so they can make it bend towards any direction they kind of want. And Dallas is like, hello, out of everybody, I'm the one with the rap. Yeah. I already have a, a bad reputation. They're so, probably going to so think he, it's me. Yeah, he thinks he's going to walk in and they're basically he's going to be arrested and it's going to be the end of that. And they drive out to where he lives, which is kind of like a dusty trailer park out in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. Uh, and they have a little scuffle. Um, and I, li- I like that uh, Dallas is, that was nice, felt good. Like after they do it, and I was like, I know. He needed to cut the tension. He oh, needed a little fight. Oh, boys, you're so funny. <laughs> I wrote like testosterone. I know. <laughs> I feel like sometimes it must not be fun to be a boy to like have to like always deal with that kind of like boy on boy testosterone push. There's moments bully. I feel like even like my friends who are like tall dudes are always like, yeah, when I go in a room, I assess the room. Why? I see who's the tallest guy. It's just a survival weird like. Darwin shit we still have. <laughs> it's so funny to me. And I'm just like, really? I have never gone in a room and been like, and I who, just, who am I taller than and who can I beat right now? <laughs> no. But also, I can't imagine like having, just like casually having a little scuffle with my friends. We're like, some point in the evening, we're going to like push and punch each other. And then be but like, it's all oh, good. Huh, but it's good. That was fun. That was nice. And then, then we're, we're going to have beers right yeah. after. What? That sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> Boys are insane. But we love you, you. Adam's like, yeah. Adam, yeah. It's just okay. He's like, yeah, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> it's weird. No, it's like a whole ribbing. That's like socialization. It's very, it's like puppies. 
You know what I mean? Though when they'll get together and they like rip each other apart, but then yeah. they're like so happy to see each other. Uh-huh. I don't know. Guys are like puppies. Okay, I said it. <laughs> a little aside and on to back to the movie where we have yeah. this local church scene where the town has gotten together because they are not having it they think these boys are murderers and they want something to be done and this is a very like mormon slash christian town and so peter berg we know peter in the berg film is, is, Mormon. Is, is very very uh religious uh-huh. and is seen at one point in the film asking god to forgive them for what they've done so they, they are really playing up this did they do it thing yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, that, because all of their lines are quite suspicious. It could be skewed either way. Maybe they did do something bad. It just feels really tense the whole time. They do play this really nice line. And then also there's this paranormal guy that yes, like finds... From afar from the American Federation of Aerial Research. That's correct. From afar. And so he hands his card to Mike and Mike's, you know, in the midst of not doing interviews. But he does take the card because he's like, wait... If there's anybody who could probably help us try to figure this out, this guy might actually be able to help us because yes. no one believes us clearly, but this guy actually, you know, might have some some knowledge for us. So the Mike goes into this town meeting where everybody he knows uh, is basically there, uh, and including his wife and all of like his friends and his neighbors, mm-hmm. and there he he's like, "Are you?" And he has this great, very big speech about it's his big moment. It is. Yeah. Robert Patrick saw this monologue and was like, "Yes, I will do this film." Yeah, <laughs> get this speech. It's a good speech. It's a good speech, and he gets to be so brooding and like near tears, basically. Because in he's this calling one. out by name all of these people who have now betrayed him and have turned against him and are immediately okay with thinking he would kill his best friend which would be you'd see right I, if i were mike i might move out of town after this happened because this is whole like you now you this whole but literally his whole life is there yeah so i don't know if, if well he, a, he kind of anyway later yes. we get to that later he kind of does a little kinda, bit kind of might <laughs> he gets a little more reclusive after this whole but thing he, happens but at the end of the speech he's like we're going to take your test or we're going to pass your test and this is going to be fine we're going to we're going to show you that we're telling the truth mm-hmm. so they all go to the police station we have this nice montage of them in the lie detector taking room. the lie detectors yeah everyone's quite nervous yeah, uh, it's and, terrifying yes, and they say like how do we know that this lie detector test guy will be legit how do we know mm-hmm. he could be somebody you've planted someone you know but he's like you know i assure you it's all on the up Lieutenant and up Frank's the like, yes, we're clean and so they go and do it and they say that the tests are kind of inconclusive that dallas's are all over the place and that they would like them to come back and try it again and they say no forget it we've done it like, no we've already done it we literally took everything we had to come here and do this for you guys and recount this because we sound crazy. We know <laughs> we have to go through it. We're again. not going to do it again, and we're, we're done. We gave it to you. You do it. You have the information you need. But now that that makes the police make them feel like they're more guilty now that they won't do it again. And but I'm... it should not because when they walk out, though, the lieutenant says, and the, the lie detector guys actually, he's like, Dallas was the only one that was all over the place, but everybody else told the truth for yeah. sure. So, but they know Dallas. they know that. But they also have to know that, like, I mean, he was with them. So it's like if. Four out of the five told the truth mm-hmm. and those stories all lined up. I think they're they're like Frank is still looking for holes. Yes. Because they're always going to think that they're guilty. He always, the yeah, he always know thinks, him. Yeah. 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 So they are. Uh, he goes when he Mike goes back home and he gets this phone call, a collect call from Travis Walton. And it is Travis. And he says he's at this gas station. And I wonder if he's been getting calls because the wife thought, kept thinking that these were, there were prank calls coming. So through. how long has he been calling him? Mm-hmm. And so he, they, he gets uh, his little sister and he gets Travis's brother to go mm-hmm. try to find him. And they think it's a crank call and he's going out there for nothing and he won't be there. 
But he is there and they find him naked and huddled against an ice machine in horrible terror, screaming when anybody touches him and has clearly gone through something horrible. He looks like he has had a break. Yes. Like an emotional break. Like he is not himself at all anymore. He, what he's seeing is not reality at this point. Right. Um, and what he seems to be experiencing, he looks terrible. His eyes have got like weird sores around them. His nose has got strange sores and on the edges of his mouth. And he's kind of gray. He looks great. And he's parched. So they get him to a sink, you know, off in this gas station where they found him basically. And he's drinking water out like just rabidly off the side of this, his mouth just, you know, just can't even get enough water in himself. And they decide to call the guy that they got from afar. Yes. Which I was like, why did they not call the police first? But I guess they were like, hey, if something did happen crazy paranormal, maybe he, we want to get tell. this documented right away because maybe the police will not believe and take this information. So it's a terrible decision to call afar because they just come up and stick microphones in his face and he can't. They're invasive even and they have no process. type of like bedside manner whatsoever. This guy is traumatized. So they do eventually call the ambulance to come and take him mm-hmm. away to the hospital, but he's kind of coming to now, but he's flashing back and forth between this reality and what had happened to him, Mm. although we don't get really enough information of what he's seeing yet. It's just kind of lights and walls of spaceship, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he does come to, uh, Mike is there and says, you know... He snuck in because he's not supposed to be in the hospital in that area. so excited that he's there. And he's just glad he's back. And tells him that, you know, we thought you were dead and they made me leave and then Travis realizes that he left him. He's like, you left you left me. So then that makes Mike angry and he calls him a son of a bitch. And he's like, this wouldn't have happened if you didn't get out of the truck. And then like, they we of, called you to get back in the damn truck. And I, and I, I can see, <laughs> though, on from both sides, I can see how as Travis, you would be disappointed in your friend for leaving you. But on the other hand, you're endangering five other lives. You're going to kill everybody because you were an idiot. It was so uh, selfish. Yes. I just thought it was so selfish of him. Yeah, it is. And I mm-hmm. think that that's what Mike thinks as well. And mm-hmm. then so they have a bit of a, a fight, which is not really what you want to happen exactly right after you wake up from who knows what. But they decide to welcome him home with a surprise party, which is the worst. I think this is the worst thing for someone with idea. PTSD or some sort of trauma. He just went through this huge, don't invite everybody over to like but yell. But I think they all just were there because they all were happy he was home too. Do yes, you know what I mean? Just no? And they also don't believe that he was with aliens. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're like, they don't know. Like the other people don't, weren't, did not see what the guys on the mountain saw. Right. Do you know what I mean? So they're just like, he's back from... Maybe he just went off in the woods or, you know, you you don't know. They don't know what happened to him. Uh, and they had said that he had been without food and water for five days. So it was not only whatever emotional trauma he was going he was through. Dehydrated he's dehydrated. You know, his body. Like, body's kind of dying. And so this is a whole. So there's every, they come in and, of course, he freaks out and is hiding under the table. And whenever his uh, fiance tries to get to him, he starts screaming again and then starts flashing back to we're getting more and more the scene so this is like this is the this is what makes the movie horror yes this is the horror sequence this movie can be you know 90 minutes of normal movie and five minutes of horror movie and it makes it enough to make it a full horror movie yeah i I would argue completely he wakes up in this 
horrible, slimy membrane pod thing. He's in um, a honeycomb. No, it's like it's like a human honeycomb, though. Yeah, but all slimy, gross, hem- and it's lots all membrane, of, lots of membranes. Uh, and he's, you know, his hands are going around in slime, and he's trying to figure out what he is and what happened. Because I'm sure for him, he was just looking at the spaceship if he even remembers that, mm-hmm. and then is now wherever he is. So he finds a way to kind of poke a hole in the membrane and get out. And I will say that this movie, the zero gravity stuff, was impressive. Beautiful. Like he's really all over the place mm-hmm. in this floating around. Really cool. Yeah, and he's like falls out of this thing and he ends up like pull, holding on to something that's like an umbilical cord or something. Mm-hmm. So like I mean whatever they've put pod they put him in, they knew enough to make sure he had some sort of breathing like apparatus or whatnot too. So now he's floating in freaking space basically in this weird membrane pod space. It's very so, or, it's very organic. Like it's all It reminded very, me like Cronenberg kind of yeah, like that body, body horror, horror stuff. Cuz he goes into he accidentally flies into one of the other honeycombs where he puts his hands down to catch himself and finds his hands in like the disintegrated half of a man. The intestines little portion of a man that but is it's like, already it's decaying. It's like slimified. It's not normal. No. Guts. Like so something has ha- happened to this person. Yeah. Uh, he so probably went through some sort of testing up there too. Testing, yes. So he's obviously Travis is freaking out. He's floating in space. Now he's got his hand in guy's guts and he's trying to figure out what is happening. How does he get out? And he f- managed to like very laboriously climb his way up to the top of this. Crawls up this membrane system. Thing. So it's like climbing up like again, kind of like an alien, the vertebrae or whatever, you know, kind of above the spaceship. He's climbing up and climbing up and it's all gross. And he does... There's a lot of goo. There's a lot of goo and slime. That's uh-huh. always aliens and goo, hand yeah, in hand. Lots of goo. It's like peanut butter and jelly. They just but go good together. Finds a way towards the top of this thing, and there's these like floating, they look like just like they're look like alien spacesuits. They look like something or you like would puppets. buy at like a Halloween costume shop to be an alien. It's got like a very metallic kind of the very classic eyes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, are these the aliens? Like they're just like literally the kind of aliens you would expect. But then it turns out those are just the suits and the actual aliens look quite different and they're kind mm-hmm. of tan and have... They're a little more humanist but without noses. They're more Voldemort. Yeah, but like, like with, oblong with like no lips. They're Voldemort E.T. is what, what oh, I had. because they're they kind like of had like, a child. Yeah, it would be they kind guys. of have that same kind of cranial like shape of E.T. But they do have some facial expressions. Uh-huh. There is a kind of like an anger and a frustration uh-huh. and a curiosity and they there's, I think the design of the alien, I mean obviously the budget all went to this sequence and it 100%. shows. It shows because oh, yeah. it's it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and they so then they get him and they start dragging him down this tunnel which is clearly filled with artifacts of previous abductees so it's like a pair of glasses, a little kid's Human shoe. Human remnants, yes. It's remnants. Just, have been cast alongside that into this hallway which is not what you want to see when you're being dragged down the hallway because you're like oh i'm just one of hundreds and i'm next yep and so they lay him on this slab they get to the space that's like it looks like an altar Mm -hmm. you know and they lay him on the slab and it's got like hospital room slash altar yeah (laughs) but yes could look like a hospital room too but it's got like you know a light source up above and they lay him down on the table and then oh they put a nice little like sheet on him looks like a nice blanket but nope nope they laid out sheet on him, but then they put this gooey material that that sheet now is like locks him into place though too. He can't move and he at cannot all. move. He is paralyzed on this table, like like um I imagine uh like paper mache or something. You know what I mean? Okay. Like as far as like, but they have those beds like those like the, like dominatrix kind of bed stuff like you can buy with oh, like a latex, latex where there's like a vacuum like out like all of the air. Way and then to like, make it S and M. I like it. Hey, 
like to bring sex into my alien movies when I can. It's I not like very it. often because the two don't really go, you know, there's like the slimy goo bit, but we're not going to go there. Uh, uh, so they, it's the most horrible sequence because he, you know, then they put the membrane over his face and then he's screaming, but it's over his face. And they cut one of the eyes and his mouth and the mouth and then this was the part where i i really just made like a noise of revolt in my face in my mouth when they put this handful like brown goo in his mouth and now he can't really breathe and he's still trying to scream he's been screaming nonstop. and then they put a big metal tube all the way down his throat so now he's choking on it and then they put a probe like in his neck and in his ear they, i mean they literally looks like they slashed like a metal thing into his ear and they clockwork orange his eye open yep. so he can't close his eye and they put this like milky substance mm-hmm. all in his cover eye over it and then uh this horrible needle probe starts coming down from the ceiling and it's coming right for his eye mm-hmm. closer and closer and closer and, and then they cut away and then they cut away thank freaking goodness i was oof. wow it's intense. That that five minutes of wow, good job, guys. Yeah, I mean, very I well and, and I know that Travis Walton himself has mm-hmm. said that they like Hollywooded it up. That yeah. it wasn't nearly that intense, and like right. that wasn't anywhere near what actually happened. And I understand that, but also wow, because the sequence is awesome. <laughs> it's fantastic. So, and it it you know it's what I you know it's kind of what I want out of a alien abduction scene i guess like i don't feel like they do that kind of very by the book alien abduction like on the table kind of thing very often uh and i feel like they do this one very very well yeah and this feels like like similar to like some of the documented experiences as we watched in our ufo movie the other day though like there's certain things that are like through lines of like the alien experience and they they nailed this one so and the terror of what that could really be. Yes, and and through the whole bit of it, uh, Lieutenant Waters still thinks it's a hoax. Like doesn't ever buy it. He never buys it, and he's still looking for holes in the story. So when Travis gets back home, he's you know in the car hanging out in town with with his with his lady, and he's left in the car because he really doesn't deal well being out and really with people yet. But he still wanted to you know be out and about. And Frank comes and finds him and comes and talks to him. Which is ter- would be terrifying to me. The guy is not ready to give a full testimony with you no. yet. He's still clearly exhibiting psychological problems. It do- looks like he doesn't even fully know where he is no. really. So, like the p- concept of asking normal questions to, to him is right. So, but Frank thinks that he ran off and he wants to find out where he actually was and what the story really is. And like he just doesn't get it that he's that Travis cannot tell you right. And but he mm-hmm. eventually just leaves, leaves town. It's like, okay, well, I think it's a hoax. Uh, when we find out otherwise, you can let me know. Right. But this is how we're leaving it for now. And right. there's no crime because Travis showed back up, so right. he's so not there's, missing. Yep, there's, there's no, no murder, murder case anymore. Yep. So he can leave. Um, and then we do this crazy flash forward where suddenly we see it's two and a half years later, Travis has a little boy named Mike. Yeah, his, with with his with with Mike's sister Dana, and so. she's pregnant with the next baby mm-hmm. coming up, and he decides to go see where Mike's been. They haven't seen each other in two and a half years, and now Mike has moved away. He's up the mountain. He's living like a recluse. He's, he's got, got a, little, a big old beard now. His facial hair grew out, and his hair's longer. And he's living the the hermit life. So he hasn't spoken with his family because he talks about because Travis talks with him about his kids and how his kids miss him. So he had so he hit his wife did not work out. And but it's you know, how sad is it that this whole thing which kind of broke Mike was all Travis's fault. And like Travis seems to kind of get by okay. Like he'll be traumatized forever and have nightmares yeah, and whatnot. Have, yeah. But he has a wife and he has a kid and like he's moving along. But Mike 
it derailed him completely yeah. because now he's he wasn't untru- even really working yeah. untrustworthy as a logger and his wife doesn't trust him and all this you know the whole town doesn't trust him and mm-hmm. kind of breaks him as a person mm-hmm. then he doesn't understand why travis wants him to come with him is like what, what do we have to say to each other really and he drives back out to the spot the spot where it happened he takes him out yeah travis takes takes mike back out to the spot and, and he's mike like i don't want to get out mike's like i don't want to be here i don't like it i don't ever want to be here and travis is like do you think i like being here either <laughs> this place is not a good memory spot for me either but we get to move on and basically travis invites mike back to life you yeah. know in a very Hollywood ending. I'm yeah. sure it happened just like that. But, uh, you know, Mike's like, also, you know, I don't want to be here because what if they came back? And Travis gives the, ha, ah, I don't think they're going to come back. because I, I don't think, think they liked me very much. I don't think they liked me very much. I don't know. Ending a movie, like, because this movie, so I felt the pacing was quite strange because I feel like there's a such a, it was slow, a slow roll to the slow aliens. roll to get up to where the aliens are. And then you mm-hmm. have this hyper intense scene of the alien abduction and then it just kind of flashes forward to this weird kind of patched together very hollywood ending and i feel like i it, if it, if, you, if you go that intense i don't feel like you can come back with like a quip at the end like that i feel like it needs to be more of a serious ending and i feel like they try to make it like a little lighthearted at the end like oh they try to i can tie i can joke bow. i can joke about it now yeah and that kind of thing and then they do the the, the title cards let you know that they mm-hmm. took the light detector test again in 1993 and 20 years later and yeah. they all passed it mm-hmm. so did they tell the truth i don't know well, we were talking with our friend our expert friend who loves ufos and whatnot and watching the show and he hi, said hi eric soda yeah, hi Eric. Um, and they, um, he was saying that they were all coached and stuff like that, and that they had their own questions they brought in on the one later on. Mm-hmm. So he's not sure as far as he. Th- I think there's a lot of holes in the story. As someone who's an expert and really dives into this stuff. Yeah. So that was sorry. That was interesting about uh-huh. talking to him about it because yeah. I I don't know. I haven't delved deep into the UFO world, mm-hmm. uh, but hearing from friends who who are most people don't think it's true. Um, they said there was also a film that came out like two weeks before called The UFO Incident that was be- based on the Betty and Barney Hill story. Which so is that- way more intense and has a lot more like trust, I guess, of people in the UFO community too. Yeah. And so this was, you know, I, and I can't, you know, who who can say? I, I, in general, for me, I'm a person who would say no one would want to go through this much trouble for attention. I could, I know that's and probably especially wrong. Especially in this town. But like, like why do that and, and break trust with all these people you know and go through this mm-hmm. whole thing? Like, why would you do that? It was hard for without, them to find work and everything after. Yeah, it would ruin yeah. your life and, and for, for, for this attention. And, and, you know, I understand Travis Walton now is very popular in the UFO community, but that, mm-hmm. I don't think that's worth, it would never be worth it. So I can't, I, I can't say that I think it's true, but I also can't say I don't, I can't see why you would make it up. Yeah. So that's the most I can say about it. <laughs> but this film, I th- I think, is still pretty scary, and that I can that scene still freaked me out pretty good. Yep, that sequence is still pretty pretty cringe inducing and and wonderful. And there's so, yeah. uh, there's lots of beautiful boys to keep Julia happy. So there's that as well. Was not mad about that either. Mm-mm. Not one bit. Let's get into this gore factor okay. then. Yeah. Yeah. So gore factor: not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bath tub of blood. Five, run for the barf bag. And we gave this film just for that five minutes. We gave it a four. Yeah. Um, because it is an intense, intense five minutes. I mean, when you clockwork orange and I, yeah, <laughs> I uh, I got LASIK surgery uh, a few years ago, and oh. I, that was the first question I asked the doctor. It was, "Will you have to clockwork orange my eye open?" And he said, "Yes." And I was like, 
Okay, let's do it. But it turned out fine, and now my vision's great. Uh, but yes, that and and the also just putting your hands in someone's liquefied guts is pretty bad. Bore. And the gloop in the mouth, like what is that? I don't know. Gory. Yeah. Movie ratings: zero to five chainsaws. One if you're desperate. Two barely qualifies as a horror film. Three seen worse, seen better. Four not too shabby, and five fantastical. Okay, uh, I gave this a three. Seen worse, seen better. I also gave this film a three. Okay. Seen worse, seen better. Yeah. I want a little more horror in my horror movie. Uh, I wish that there was more. They had kind of sprinkled more of the alien thing in throughout instead of just like saving it up for one bunch. Uh, but, you know, what? there is this choice, so I can't be mad at that. Right. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it was it was enough to give us a four and gore and creep us out and be wonderful and scary. Um, but I feel like the story itself still needed a little bit of love mm-hmm. um, and some of the relationships. But I really, um, I really loved, um, like, the main guy, Mike, is, you know, it's really his story, I think, for the film yeah. itself. And I, I loved kind of his change and, and what happens with him, so... So uh, next week, we are continuing our science fiction horror round in honor of our amazing producer, Adam. Uh, And we will be doing John Carpenter's The The Thing. Thing. I'm so excited to see this. I've never seen this. You're so... I'm so envious because this is going to be awesome to watch. And this is like classic. So like this is like one of the ones that I've been really excited to like hop into. Pay attention to those effects because man. Okay. Those effects. I will take some notes. Okay. Um, and <laughs> we hope you've been taking notes and that you will join us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and not to mention our Patreon. Oh, but let's not, let's actually mention it. Hey. Let's mention the Patreon. Uh, all sorts of goodies. Uh, you know the ins and outs, and we don't want to bore you with the details, but the details are awesome. Uh, you know, yeah, check out the great stickers, details. buttons, and uh, all sorts of good stuff. And fun content coming from us, so get into it. You like content. I like, I love content. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. All right. I, that means I like to devour everything I can in front of me. Let's get more. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.